Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Tatami Room Season 2, Episode 4 Japanese Laws and Regulations. This is your host, Martin. So,、uh, let's get right into things. Got a lot of stuff to talk about today.、Uh, a little overview of the episode.、Um, I got this idea from my brother, so、uh, shout out to him. But I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of laws and regulations in Japan that are maybe similar or a little different than ones that are in、uh, America. And I wanted to mostly focus on the ones that seem different, surprising, or strange. The stoic quote of this week. Is from Seneca, keeping it going with the Seneca vibes. For many men, the acquisition of wealth does not end their troubles, it only changes them. I like that quote for this week. Hope you do as well. I do have a rather long current event section for you about Japan's economy and Swiftonomics. So、um, stay tuned for that. A little personal update. Um, honestly, it's been kind of business as usual since the tournament. I'm、uh, feeling a lot more at home and at ease with students, teachers, and expectations.、Um, so I'm just kind of,、uh, kind of vibing right now.、Uh, just、uh, on, a, on another note, Valentine's Day happened not too long ago.、Um, Yeah, shout out Valentine's Day. Just a little bit about Valentine's Day is it's a little different here in Japan. It's basically switched where the chocolate or presents are typically given from females to males. So it would be a woman gives their crush a present or their significant other a little bit of chocolate, something like that.、Um, it can be used as a sort of crush confession、uh, almost. Um, and、uh, one month later, on March 14th, if I'm not mistaken, there's a different day called White Day, which is when men usually return the favor and give chocolate back to those that they receive chocolate from on Valentine's Day. If anyone is dying to know whether I received any,、um, I got one that was from uh, uh, all the.、Um, The female staff at the city hall pitched in and got all the male、uh, staff a little bit of chocolate. So,、um, yeah,、uh, a very special chocolate that I'll be treasuring. Any case, let's jump right into things with、uh, Japanese laws and regulations after a short break. All right, welcome back, everyone. Let's jump right into things. So, the first kind of major difference that I wanted to talk about in terms of laws and regulations is that the legal system itself here in Japan is different. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm just going to nerd out a little bit as a future lawyer, but essentially, in US, England, and India, there is a legal system that is called common law. Versus, or as opposed to civil law that is present in Japan, most of Europe, Africa, and China. And、um, this is one of the reasons why kind of being a lawyer restricts you to a certain area or jurisdiction.、Um, is if you know, if you learn,、um, if you learn law in the US, then trying to come practice here, where there's a completely here in Japan, where there's a different legal system, is quite challenging. 
it can be done and there's a number of international lawyers and lawyers that deal with kind of international businesses but I feel like it's uh, not as frequent to just kind of hop from country to country. In any case, just a little bit about civil and common law, starting with civil law that's in Japan. Um, basically, the core principles have statutes and mandates. Judges establish um, the case paradigm, and then they connect that to a specific statute. And precedent isn't used too much. Um, as far as far as I'm aware, basically, the there's a, a huge number of rules. The judge takes a case and looks at it. And says, "Hey, this rule, it uh, or this case, it applies to this rule." So we're going to look at it in that framework and just kind of plugs it into that kind of equation. Uh, as opposed to common law, where judges rely more on arguments brought before them, as well as precedent. Precedent is very important in common law, um, and law is built case by case. Now, common law, uh, where you know in the U, where it's used in the U.S., basically, it's when I said built case by case, is if a new ruling comes about. And there's a similar case sometime in the future. Ju judges are going to take a look at the case that came before and say, "Hey, well, we decided uh, this way back then. So uh, this case, uh, we're going to probably decide that way again as well." Um, you know, overturning precedent can be difficult. Uh, maybe a case was made erroneously, and you can say, "Oh, well, look at this case was actually bad, so we should go against that set standard." But usually, the judge is going to look at it and say, "Well, you know, we looked at it this way in this manner, uh, you know, back with this case, so we're going to look at it that way again." And it would be the job of the lawyer to argue, "Yes, we need to look at it in this way," or "No, no, no, we need to go against precedent." Trust me on this one. In any case, on to some smaller uh, changes now in terms of the legal system. Uh, and I think this might be useful for a lot of people that want to come travel to Japan, but some over-the-counter medications are prohibited here. Um, for example, pseudoephedrine, pseudoephedrine, I hope I'm saying that right, is a no-no. It's an allergy medication. So um, my advice would just be to check uh, what medications you're allowed to bring before coming to Japan. Uh, I ended up bringing um, some medication, um, some Advil as well, and it all, I, I didn't have any problem with it. The main thing is it's it should only be a two-month supply of it, is what they say, so you can't bring like boxes and boxes of Advil. Um, you bring a box. Um, I even emptied out some of the box just to be safe, you know, brought a third of it. But yeah, um, over-the-counter medications. Now, I think one thing that might strike, or another change in uh, legal rules that might strike some people in the U.S. as odd or interesting is when it comes to alcohol and driving. So on the alcohol note, you are an adult at 18, but the legal age for drinking smoking and gambling in Japan is 20 years old. So that's kind of similar to the US where you know you're 18 you can vote, drive and whatnot. Hey, you can drive when you're 16, but um yes, you can only drink in the US when you're 21. One major difference that I find is that alcohol is allowed to be consumed in public uh here in Japan, though 
it is rude to eat or drink outside. So essentially, I mean, even in the U.S., you know, you're walking back home um, Friday night uh, on the on the avenue, on the Ave near uh, University of Washington. You'll see one person, you know, have a brown paper bag, just drinking some some mysterious liquid out of uh, out of it. Um, so it's not unheard of for someone to be drinking on the streets in America, but contrast that with Japan where you can do it fairly openly as long as you're not being kind of an idiot. Um, I mentioned that it's rude to eat and drink outside. So this rule slash taboo isn't too strong anymore. Um, at least I don't think it is. But just, you know, don't be an idiot about it. So if you are drinking on the streets in Japan, then don't be don't be a hooligan. Don't be shouting and yelling and whatnot. But I've seen plenty of people, you know, if if you're switching between clubs or places or whatever, you know, you take the, the beer that you were just sipping on, march it over to the next spot, drink it on the way. Another kind of um, alcohol-related uh, rule is in the U.S., your blood alcohol content can be... 0.08 and you, you're still allowed to drive um, in Japan there is a strict 0% alcohol policy um, which I think is the same as Hungary uh, according to my father so you cannot have any alcohol in your system you know if you're in the US you know you have one beer you're like oh I'm fine you can drive home make sure you do not bring that <laughs> that mentality um, that that thinking over here to Japan because it can get you into a lot of trouble. Um, even if you think like, hey, well, I had a beer like an hour ago, it should be all, you know, all gone now. I would not recommend driving even then just to kind of play it safe. You know, you do not want to be caught as a foreigner um, drunk driving. That would be a, a bad look. In terms of, or sorry, another another rule um, or uh Kind of uh, another rule that's different here in Japan is when it comes to littering. So it's you know illegal to litter in both the U.S. and Japan, but it in Japan it's very much frowned upon. So you know in the U.S. you know you'll see someone just kind of throw something away, and it's like oh man, like you know you, it shouldn't be happening, but it is, and the police are not there to uh, to stop it. But I feel like. In Japan, it's a lot more uh, heavily enforced and punished. It can be punished up to thirty thousand yen in some cases, which, you know, it's that's right now. I think that's about um, two hundred dollars or so. Um, so it's not like a back-breaking fine, but still, it's not not very convenient. Also, you think two hundred dollars? That's not that much, but two hundred dollars here. Or thirty thousand yen here. That's that's a significant chunk of money. Uh, one thing that I think is interesting to note uh, when it with regards to littering is that as much as it is more strictly enforced, I would say by like police. Maybe um, I personally haven't seen anyone getting you know busted for littering. But I think another it doesn't have to be enforced by the police because there's kind of a a social network or everyone's just kind of you know keeping an eye out for on each other um we're just making sure that no one else is littering making sure that they're not littering um yeah so i think it's kind of very ingrained in the the social framework here so yeah 
One other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, this came up during my research for this episode, is cigarette and alcohol vending machines. They are around here in Japan, apparently. I do want to note that maybe when I was in Tokyo, I saw one, or I think I've seen one here and there, but they're, they're not very common. At least here on my island, I don't see them around uh, a lot. Uh, but yeah, there's, uh, in contrast to the, the U.S., there's uh, cigarette and alcohol vending machines. Another uh, interesting thing that I came across, uh, this one um, I, was, I found when I was researching, but when I read it, I was like, oh, this makes sense, is when it comes to traffic lights, yellow is thought of almost like a second green, and the first couple seconds of red or quote-unquote yellow. So I haven't heard this before from anyone, but it made a lot of sense to me when I read this because I've seen some people, like, turn uh, as the, like, one or two seconds after it's been read, and, like, personally, I would... I would have stopped. I would not have made that turn. Uh, so I've, I've, I would just be watching with my, my, my eyebrows raised. Like, oh, well, I guess they went for it. <laughs> but having read this where, you know, the first seconds of red or or, or yellow, I'm like, okay, that I, I could see that there's some truth to that. Now, with that being said, I do not want to encourage anyone to uh, kind of, I feel like adopting this behavior is, is probably not... Uh, not for the best. I, I still tr- try to, you know, yellow is my yellow and red is red. Um, I, I, I don't usually uh, turn on it. Um, so I, I, would, I don't want to encourage anyone to kind of adopt this manner of driving and then, I don't know, get busted in Japan and say, well, I listened to the podcast and, you know, they said it was okay. Yeah. Um, I got two more, or sorry, one more last kind of uh, rule or change that I wanted to talk about, and this comes to, uh, this is about smoking, and it is almost, smoking here in Japan is almost kind of uh, the opposite, uh, diametrically opposed to the rules of U.S. at times. So outside public places have smoking prohibitions, so there's some like parks, for example, where it would be prohibited to smoke, some outdoor areas where you cannot smoke. In the U.S., most of the most outdoor places, parks, whatever, you're you're free to smoke, though people are going to give you a side eye. However, here in Japan, in restaurants and indoors, smoking is allowed quite often. Um, I'm not a fan of this policy. This this is to my dismay. You know, I'll, I'll be having a good time at a restaurant. I'll just kind of start like <coughs> coughing a little bit. I'm like, what's this kind of smell? I'm getting a little headache, and like, there's five guys just laughing chain smoking when the next table over um you know again contrast that with the u.s where smoking is uh prohibited in indoor places um yeah so it's kind of interesting how outdoor places in japan no 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 you can't you know there's some outdoor places at least that you can't smoke in the u.s you can smoke outdoors and in the u.s you can't smoke indoors but here in japan it's allowed quite frequently now, just kind of a, on a closing note, overall, I would say that Japan has some quote-unquote stricter rules, and they are better or more diligent at enforcing them, I would say. I mean, the U.S. is huge, Japan is huge, and I feel like enforcement police standards differ by area. But one thing I do want to note 
and I, I kind of talked about this when I mentioned littering, is Japan's kind of rules and laws aren't just enforced by the police, but their enforcement is aided by this kind of community gossip network, which in my opinion is very effective at crime prevention. Look, everyone, uh, word on the island uh, gets around fast, and you do not want to be caught, you know, doing something that shouldn't have been done, because everyone's going to be talking about it. Especially, I feel like in my case, where I'm one of the only foreigners on the island, you know, if I do something, it's like, oh my gosh, did you see the, the ALT? They they did this. I can't believe it. You know, um, they went, they passed the red light after this amount of time or something like that. So you, it's, uh, it's not a good look to be, uh, to be caught doing anything, which is, which is why I feel like these, uh, these rules are, you know, most of them, there's no, not many violations. Let's just say that. Um, finally, on a, uh, to conclude, I would say that, you know, rules in Japan are not super different. Like, there's not, like, too many authoritarian rules. Um, it's not, like, it's not like you go to, let's say, I don't know, North Korea or somewhere where, you know, you say something and you get put in jail. So it's not definitely not like that. But one thing I would watch out for is the medication. If you are coming to Japan, make sure to check what medication you're allowed to bring and the alcohol. You know, I feel like as an American, it might be easy to forget like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I just had one beer. I'll, I'll be fine. And uh, yeah, even even though you would be fine back home in the U.S., it's uh, it's not allowed here. So just uh, keep an eye out for that. Now, let's move on to the current event section where I'll be talking about Japan's economy and uh, Swiftonomics. I'll be right back in just a second. All right, welcome back. Let's get started talking about Japan's economy. So this week, I wanted to ask, well, is the Japanese economy in trouble? You know, last time we talked about this on the podcast, the yen was very weak. Um, which is very unfortunate for people getting paid in yen, like me. Um, and now, uh, Japan's economy will soon slip behind Germany's for the world's fourth largest economy. It's going to be U.S., China, Germany, and Japan in, uh, in a short moment. And uh, this kind of begs the question, Is should we be worried? Is this a cause for worry? And so one kind of point of view is, uh, you know, yes, we, you know, we should be worried. This means that Germany is outpacing Japan in technological innovations and productivity in the long term. Others say, no, you know, we're doing okay. Um, GDP is measured, or the size of the economy, which is GDP, gross domestic product, is measured in nominal, ter nominal terms and dollar terms both of which mean that, you know, we're doing all right. So let's jump, have, have a little economics lesson right here to kind of understand why uh, people aren't super worried about this. You know, I mentioned GDP um, is the size of the economy and gross domestic product. And this GDP basically means the total value of goods and services in an economy. So for example, if we have a country where the only good that's produced is uh, teddy bears from a teddy bear factory and there are no services the GDP of that country uh, the size of the economy would be the value of all the teddy bears sold so if we sold 10 uh, 100 yen teddy bears it would be 1,000 yen 1,000 yen GDP 
Now, one reason people are not super worried um, that about you know Japan's GDP falling behind Germany's is that GDP is measured in nominal terms. So nominal terms means that it's not adjusted for inflation. Inflation means that things get more expensive. So if we look at inflation, suppose we're making uh, 100 yen teddy bears one year, um, 150 yen teddy bears the next year because we had massive inflation. You know, if we still make 10 teddy bears, you know, one year we'll have the 1,000 yen GDP, but the next year we're going to have a 1,500 yen GDP. So even though our GDP has gone up, that's not because, oh my gosh, we're doing so well economically, but it's because of inflation. And when we look at Germany's inflation, so Germany is poised to overtake Japan in terms of GDP. When we look at Germany, we can see that Germany is suffering from pretty bad inflation. And inflation isn't necessarily very good. So just because inflation is boosting Germany's economy to overtake Japan's, you know, we shouldn't be super worried about that. Now, the other reason that uh, people shouldn't be super worried is that GDP is measured in dollar terms. If we go back to our teddy bear factory, we can see we're making, you know, go back to the 100 yen teddy bears. But like I said, the yen is very weak. So if one uh, $1 was worth 100 yen before, um, that means that in dollar terms, our GDP would be, you know, if we have 10 teddy bears, 1,000 yen, one yen is, uh, or one dollar $1 is 100 yen, that means our GDP is, you know, $10. But suppose that, you know, one dollar $1 is now worth 150 yen, or so let's say for easier math, 200 yen, so it's doubled. That means that if we produce 1,000 yen worth of teddy bears, our GDP is only $5 now. And uh, because the yen has been weakening, uh, $1 has been uh, becoming more and more yen, that means it basically reflects uh, in the GDP numbers. It makes it look like you know Japan's economy is not doing so well or its uh, gains are smaller than uh, what they actually might be. Um, so this is another reason that people aren't super worried about Germany kind of overtaking Japan. Uh, this was a quick <laughs> economics lesson. I hope I kind of was able to convey um, the point well. Um, and But with that being said, I also wanted to look at uh, Germany, the competition, uh, who's going to overtake Japan. Like I said, Germany is suffering from high inflation and high prices. So their GDP has been boosted by this inflation. And when we look at you know Germany and we're looking, comparing it to Japan, and we're asking, oh well, is it is Germany just soaring past Japan? You know, are they excelling? Are they doing wonderful? It, that doesn't seem to be the case. You know, um, even though uh, real GDP, so not nominal GDP, real GDP, which is inflation adjusted, is stronger in Germany than in Japan recently, things are still okay. Uh, Japan's growth is still solid. Um, in fact, maybe Japan is doing better than some people anticipated. You know, first, GDP per capita or per person is very stable. And because the population is decreasing, living standards are decent or even quite good.
the U.S. has also kind of helped Japan out recently. You know, U.S. Uh, U.S. economy has been doing very well, and because the U.S. economy is doing well, people in the U.S. have a lot have more money to spend. They looked over where should we put this uh, put this extra money that we have. Well, they're gonna put it in Japan, where you know one dollar is now worth a lot more yen. They want to use this weak yen to invest in Japan. And so what that means is 60% of companies on the Japanese stock exchange announced profits. And that's mostly or uh, kind of boosted in part because U.S. investors are putting their dollars, converting their dollars into yen and investing in Japanese companies. Um, people were worried about domestic demand in Japan. You know, people, how much are people going to be you know, buying within the country, but it's actually been uh, doing okay as well. Tourists, I think, have boosted this quite well because the yen is so weak. People are flocking to Japan, converting their other currencies into yen, and just going to town buying things left and right. So honestly, if I had to render a verdict, if it was me, um, I would say that though it's not ideal to slip behind or look like uh, uh, look uh, appear to slip behind Germany quite soon in terms of uh, the size of the economy, in terms of GDP. I think that this isn't, you know, people in Japan shouldn't be freaking out about this. They shouldn't be, wor shouldn't be super worried. Now, I also mentioned that I want to talk about Swiftonomics um, on this episode. So let's get into that as well. Swiftonomics has been another. Um, you could say a little surprising, or maybe you're just such a big Taylor Swift fan, you knew this was coming. But Swiftonomics has been boosting Japan's economy as well. And Swiftonomics, if, uh, if, if you've guessed, is the phenomenon that attempts to explain the economic ripples that are caused by T-Swift. So Taylor pulled up to Japan for about four days um, not so long ago. And this... Um, long story short, this day, she generated 34.1 billion yen, or 230 million US dollars. This is in terms of, you know, people buying her concert tickets, people buying food at the concert, whatnot. Um, on a side note, she made 5 billion on her US tour. That's billion with a B, but that US tour has a lot more locations and it's a lot longer. So how can Taylor Swift be this big of an economic titan, a behemoth? And uh, a lot of this is explained by high ticket prices. Uh, Taylor's concert was very expensive compared to Japanese concert ticket standards. And if, let's say, a Japanese artist were to put their concert tickets that high, people would be outraged. You know, that how dare they differ so much from the market um, and from the regular. But because Taylor has an American company and she's a foreigner, she's given a little bit of leeway in terms of not having to follow the um, the norm in term when it comes to concert prices. In addition to this, there's a high number of traveling fans from Asia 
and these fans 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 will spend not just Taylor's not not they won't just buy Taylor Swift concert tickets but they also have to spend money on traveling you know that's money for airlines they have to spend money at hotels they're on the trains buying food etc so that's also going to generate a very high amount of money as well and because Taylor Swift is only performing in uh, uh, I think it was Tokyo and then Singapore as a in Asia there's a lot of people from Asia that are going to either to the Tokyo uh, event or the Singapore event uh, just to have a chance to uh, catch Taylor Swift additionally because Taylor recently won the Grammys um, these numbers are going to kind of you know the 34.1 billion yen that I was talking about might even be an underestimate uh, might even be an underestimate this is because the you know you, you win the grammys you're more popular this means more people are buying the album itself and more people are buying merchandise so you know in conclusion japan and its economy is still in good spot and uh, we have taylor to thank for that to some extent now with that being said let's get to the closing section <music> Alright, welcome to the closing section. Let's get started with the word of the week, which is tomo choko. Tomo choko. Tomo choko comes from two words, tomodachi, which means friend, and choko, which means chocolate. And uh, as you can probably guess, you give, you know, tomo choko to one of your friends on Valentine's Day. So, you know, I mentioned on Valentine's Day, people give chocolate, usually women give chocolate to men, and on white day, it's the opposite. But Usually, you know, this is a use to express romantic interest in someone, but if, you know, you have a friend and you're, you know, you're close with them, um, you know, you can just give them tomochoko. So that is your word of the week. Your stat of the week is 5 billion yen, which is the expected cost per launch of Japan's new H3 rocket. And the reason I bring that up is because a couple weeks ago I talked about uh, Japan launching a new rocket on the podcast and just yesterday they were able to successfully launch the new H3 rocket uh, which is great you know uh, Japan's space program looks to be you know going strong uh, the H3 rocket failed in last March so it's kind of uh, you know high tension as to uh, or a big anticipation as to whether this new launch would succeed and it did, which is great because Japan is going to retire the old H-2A rocket after only two more launches. But, you know, it looks like the H-3 rocket has been uh, figured out. It's going smoothly. So it's good to have that uh, good, good to have that program, the H-3 rocket program running now. And 5 billion yen, just for a little context, that would be about 33 million U.S. dollars per launch which actually isn't too bad, and it would be a significant amount cheaper than the cost per launch for the eight older H-2A rockets. In any case, thank you so much for listening to, to Tommy Room this week. I hope to see you back here uh, next episode as well. Uh, hopefully, uh, I did a decent job at explaining the economics uh, that were involved in today's episode. If you have any questions, uh, shoot me a, a message uh, or a comment about it. Um, I'll be more than happy to uh, provide further explanation there. In any case, have a great day. Please consider subscribing. 
please consider subscribing and para espera ad astra.